Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. Welcome back to Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Horn. With me, as usual, is my guy, Donald Thomas. And this is a special victory edition, right? Victory edition of Believe in Colts. This is awesome. The Indianapolis Colts now have won two games straight, walking into the bye week at 500. It's like a new season. They're ready to do something, but are they really? We're going to get into that much, much more in just a moment. But Donald, how have you been, and what's your initial thoughts of the game? Uh, I've been good, man. Um, you know, I'm happy the Colts have were able to string two in a row, and Going to the bye week, feeling good about themselves. I know there's no better feeling than going to the bye week and on a high note instead of, you know, having to drag through a, a week of no game coming up and practice and it's the mundane and coaches are all upset. So I know those guys are happy over there on 56th Street. I'm happy for them that they got some wins under their belt and they're, you know, at 500 and they can kind of put this kind of half of the season away and, and focus on the, the last half of the season and, and try to make a, a, a push for this, you know, playoff spot and see if they can make some noise. Absolutely. Absolutely. But before we get into this game, I got to remind everybody that Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, NFL, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember, use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So the Indianapolis Colts walk into Germany. This was a, uh, I actually enjoyed the fact that it was in Germany. I, I like watching a lot of the, uh, like the, the media pressers uh, mm-hmm. with the Germans asking, they, they know football. They actually know football out there in Germany, which was shocking. Because I saw I've watched a lot of media pressers from like London, and you're hearing a lot of crazy questions. You know, you're like, what, what, what kind of? Do you even know what what you're talking about here? Germany knows. They get detailed in their questions. They were asking like specific scheme questions uh, for players and 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 their specific uh, jobs on specific. Uh, play designs and things of that nature. And I was just, I was completely shocked. Did you expect Germany to be able to be, you know, do, when you think of overseas, do you honestly think that, that, you know, got people saying like, like, let's say Germany, you know, uh, is as in American football smart as they actually are. You know, I wasn't surprised. Um, Germany actually pumps out a few football players a year. They come over here and go to college or come straight over. You know what I'm saying? Like, I played with two guys from Germany, Sebastian Ballmer with the Patriots and then uh, Jean Warner uh, here with the Colts. Um, and so, like, I wasn't surprised. Like, when I when, when, when I met, you know, Bajorn, um, you know, I've learned that they play football over there and the guys get discovered and they come to college and they're actually pretty decent. They're not like <laughs> – they're not bad football players. So, that wasn't surprising to me. They also do have, like a like, a – kind of professional uh football league over there that they um that I know of a couple guys that have gone over in the past and that played over there um and Italy does Italy has some uh, professional football too so if they ever play a game in Italy don't be surprised to get some good questions from them too so 
No, I mean, uh, Germany's on the map as far as, you know, they, they, their sports program, if you look at it from even guys in the NBA, they got guys that can come over and play, man. So, you know, they're they, they very much into it more so than London, where London's just like, okay, uh, you play football, good job. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> terrible London accent, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Germany's on it, man, so I was not surprised. Yeah, ooh, you talk about Italy. It'd be interesting to have a, a game in Italy. That would be that would be fun. Uh, I'm all for uh, the NFL spreading out, especially across Europe and 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 other places. I mean, obviously they've been to Mexico a few times as well. You know, just trying to get the the feel for football out, but obviously kind of limited on how far you can go and actually have a team in the. You know, I mean, you're not going to have a game in Tokyo, are we? I mean, I, or Beijing or something. I mean, cause that's, that's a hell of a trip, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, a big, that's a big ask to have guys, you know, fly over there. That's that. I mean, Germany's far enough, but it's close <laughs> enough as well. You know, you can get there in you know, a reasonable amount of time. It's like, I think we, when we flew to, um, to London, it was like five hour flight. So it wasn't terrible. Um, it's doable. It's just the time change is the, is the main thing that kind of throws throws guys off, you know, playing 930 in the morning, although it feels like it's, you know, what, 230 in the afternoon for them. You know, still, it's still 930, depending on what time those guys get out there. Um, so that was another element, too, to the game, right, is like having guys acclimated to the time change. Excuse me, like the, the new um, the just new surroundings. Is, everything's literally foreign, no pun intended. So, you know, getting guys to get – it can be a distraction. And so, like, the Colts definitely didn't need a distraction coming into this game. Um, albeit, you know, they're playing the Patriots who are struggling. Um, but it, anything – I was kind of – I wasn't like this game is just in the bag for sure just because, you know, you just never know what you're going to get sometimes from the Colts. And you just never know what you're going to get from teams playing overseas, literally. Like, you just don't know. And that could have been a game where, you know, Belichick could have had those 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 guys' minds right to beat, you know, the the, the Colts. And um, luckily they they didn't. But, you know, you just never know what you're going to get. Absolutely. Zaire Franklin comes back from his, uh, what was it, a concussion or injury or something like that? No, it was that injury. It was like his knee or something. Yeah. Uh, 15 total tackles. Uh, again, uh, dude is a monster out there on the field. He is doing everything uh, that you could ask for a mic to do um, out there in the midst of where the football is at all times. The defense, not just Zaire this week, but multiple players came to play defensively. Uh, Dio Dangbo had a game of his life, three sacks, even though I'm kind of, I'm like, eh, one of those sacks should be shared with DeForest Buckner. I think they kind of met the guy at the same time. Well, but it is what it is. There you hit him first, though. Yeah. He, he hit him first. and But it was great pressure by both of them. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like DeForest, like, and that and DeForest, he, the way he starts games, I wish he would finish games. It's like he has so much juice in the tank and he kind of empties it before, you know, right, right, like the first half and then like second half is just like, he's still there, but it's not like those first couple series of rushes that he has where he's just, like, very destructive. And, man, I, like, honest to God, truth, like, from a three-technique perspective, if he could play that all game, he would be up, like, with a Miles Garrett type of game-changing kind of capabilities. Um, when he goes, he can go. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if I had to block him, you know, you know you got your hands full. Um, 
more so in the first half than the second half. Um, this is track record just proves it. But I mean, he was back there too, man. He 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 added to that pressure and he got to him. But you know, Dai, that, I hope I'm saying his name right. Day you or Dayu? Dayo? Dayo. Dayo. Excuse me. Apologize. Dayo. He was he was a monster. Start to get, start this game off though. Absolutely. Don't don't worry about it. I got it messed up until my, my second year when he actually pronounced it for me. And I was like, oh, good. Now Ooh, I know how to bad. pronounce your name. That uh, <laughs> happens a lot. I, I, I end up having to ask the player specifically, you know, how do you pronounce your name? So right, I get right, this right. right. Uh, oh, but um, the entire front front four, the entire defensive line uh, did very, very good job this this game. Uh, Quiddy Pay got, uh, got a sack. Taekwon Lewis got a sack. Samson came close a couple times. Um, look, it was like around 50% pressure percentage in a game. Now, granted, New England Patriots, their offensive line beat up, not doing that great this year, but still the New England Patriots. That's weird to say that New England Patriots offensive line is is not doing well because it seems like uh, in years past, they, they, they're the team that – that uh, just produced offensive linemen, you know, uh, left and right. You you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Uh, so it was it's kind of odd. Where does this take you when it comes to thinking about the New England Patriots right now? You got Bill Belichick, Matt Jones. You know, had his situation. We'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But with Bill Belichick right now and the offensive line not performing up to historically New England standards. What can Bill do about that? I mean, that's. Yeah. Um, so the key piece to this whole operation of why New England's so bad is because of Dante Scarnecchia. When Dante Scarnecchia, a lot of people don't know who that is, but that was the longest tenured uh, New England coach um, retired recently, a couple of years ago. Um, you know, he coached the offensive line. And so he coached me when I was there. He has produced great offensive offensive lines. And Howard Mudd and Dante Scarnecchia, who a lot of people are familiar with Howard Mudd from, you know, here, um, are the two, you know, if you want to put a Mount Rushmore for offensive line coaches, they're, they're one and two, and they can be interchangeable. Some people, if you're a Howard Mudd fan, you like the, his techniques. If you're a Scarnecchia fan, you like his. But what I'm saying is this, not to get off track, you know, you're, a team is only as good as his offensive line. And I'm not being biased. I'm just telling you that from up front, from the from the first, you have the ball, right? And if we miss a block, if we can't get it done up front, the whole operation falls apart. So he was so instrumental in helping the Patriots be who they were in the past that when he retired and all those guys that had that Dante, we call him Scar, Scar techniques kind of went away and they got new guys in there, it just doesn't work as well. And so you're seeing this now. A lot of people are like, well, why pitch so bad? I'm telling you why they're bad. I'm not just saying it's all because of Dante Scarnecchia because there's a lot of other pieces, like you look at Mac Jones. But what I'm saying is from a standpoint, of, if you look at that first half, giving up th- one, you know, three sacks, five sacks total in the game, I mean, you can't, you, you, you're you not producing, you're not protecting the quarterback. And that was a key, key thing that we really worked on was our techniques and how to block and all that kind of stuff. So you see that from a standpoint from New England's not being good. It's, it's not just a Belichick issue. It's a coaching issue as well as a personnel issue. But I guarantee you this, I say this with confidence, if Skarnecchia was still there with that same group of guys, they wouldn't be that bad. Now, in pass protection, obviously, as we're talking about, they were not doing well offensively uh, across the offensive line. But uh, 
in the run game. I mean, their running backs had 33 carries, right, for, what, 130 yards, 140 yards rushing, yeah, over 140 yards rushing, averaging 4.3 yards a carry uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, look, I have respect for Zeke. I have respect for Ramondre Stevenson, okay? But the Indianapolis Colts at the beginning of the year were very, very good against the run. They they were giving up two, three yards of carry for entire games, right? And without Grover Stewart, they have been giving up anywhere between four and six yards of carry per game uh, to running backs. And this is something that is incredibly worrisome that one player, one guy can make that big of a difference um, in, in, in a game, period let alone, you know, outside of the quarterback, obviously, right? Outside of the quarterback. But when you have like a, a defensive tackle that is that good, that is that important, that you can't, you know, bring a couple guys in to kind of you know, help each other stop or help each other fill, fill the shoes, not necessarily replace him, but take, do his job. That's worrisome in the long haul because, I mean, uh, uh, how are the Colts supposed to win games if they can't stop the run? Uh, amazingly, they were able to this time, but let's face it. I mean, that, that controls the clock. The run game is so, so, so important. It, it drives the entire game, you know, uh, an entire game plan. You know, um, 167 yards is not stopping the run, in my opinion. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, when once Grover, you know, started his hiatus or his suspension, so to speak, you do see that the run game has been struggling. Now, I'll say this. He is a key piece to stopping the run up the middle. But there are still outside runs. There are still, you know, different type of <laughs> runs where you can run away from Grover. Um, and so I'm not going to put it all just on one person and say he is the – end-all, be-all for the run game. He definitely is a huge piece of the run, um, stopping the run. But at the end of the day, you know, it just comes down to everyone else stepping up. And so, like, you know, Zaire's been playing well in the middle, but, you know, if he's making a tackle and he's not blitzing, he's, you know, that, that tackles me for three, four yards when, once he's finally, you know, fitting up and getting into the run game and stopping the run. So, you know, guys up front have to play well. Guys on the perimeter have to play better. At stopping the run, right? I think that the I think the Colts' identity right now is like they were pass rush gurus. I mean, like there's there's no question that if there's fifty if there's fifty drop back passes in the game, twenty five to thirty of them are going to have some type of pressure to them. Um, they're getting to the quarterback well. They they have guys that have high motors, um, but they're Grover is a run stopping guy. If you see him in person, if you see him up front, like you know, if I was playing off offensive line and I'm, and I'm looking and I turn, you know leave the, the 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 huddle and I turn around I'm like this dude's not about to beat me in pass rush like I just know that but I'm gonna have my hands full in the run game he's he's hard to move he comes off the ball well he's just a big physical guy and so like you see that but guys have to step up like I don't I'm not a big guy for excuses like I'm just not that kind of person like yes like if you if you're missing a key guy in your defense you're gonna fill it somehow but golly somebody else has got to step up and make plays too that's why we're getting paid big bucks um, and so, like, the Colts definitely have to be able to stop the run, 
right? Because it does control a lot of the clock, make these teams throw the football. Um, but at the end of the day, like when you look at it from a standpoint of what's more effective, they're getting to the quarterback or they're run stopping. The the pass the, like the pass rush is way more effective, and they need to try to sew this thing up with the run game, stopping the run because 167 yards to bottom of the barrel team is not absolutely you know promising in my opinion. No, absolutely not. Something that's also not promising is uh, the Colts' offensive run game. Uh, in this game, it was – we were talking about it. You brought it up before we started recording. It was incredibly lopsided in carries in this game, right? Jonathan Taylor, 23 carries. Zach Moss, one, right? 24 carries between the running backs. And they averaged – Less than three yards of carry to combined. Less than three yards of carry combined. That is not a recipe for success. You know, the Patriots, they ran the ball well. They own time of possession. That is a key component to winning games. Now, obviously, giving up five sacks and losing the turnover battle, that... that, That is also, you know, keys to success as well, but... The Colts, what they want to do, they were unable to do against the Patriots, and that is run the ball well and hold the ball in time of possession. Is that something to be worried about going on into the future? Uh, Absolutely. Um, For one, if you just want to look at the lopsided um, carries, I mean, it's not even lopsided. You might as well say Zach Moss didn't even play running back this game. He got one carry for two yards. And you give Jonathan 23 carries. This is a guy that showed up the first four games or whatever that Jonathan was on the sideline and was one of the top three backs in the league. And now all of a sudden he gets one carry. And then when he's out there for those, what, two series, you said he had one run. Like, what are we doing? Like, and I get it. And you said it too. Like a lot of these teams are gearing up for the run. I get it. Right. This And, and, and they're stacking the box, got eight in the box. You got safeties down low. Um, you got the slot guys, like you said, our, our, our eyes are peeking inside because they know nine times out of 10 in these situations that the ball's not, you know, saying going to get thrown. But if you got a guy that's got 23 carries for 69 yards and you have a healthy guy on the sideline that, you know, can tote the rock too, I don't see how we go 23 carries to one carry. I just don't see that. I just don't get it. And this is not even a game where we had to start airing the ball out like we were behind. This is ground and pound football, right? Like this is ground and pound football that you that they, that they decided to play like because we couldn't throw the ball that well, right? We 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 struggled on struggled throwing the football. You know, we barely had two hundred yards uh, passing in this game. So when you look at it from a standpoint of guys are going to be unhappy. I, I said this a few weeks ago. If you make this thing so lopsided, like where you just you kind of just like mess with them and, you know, you started giving them like a couple series here and there. And before you know, it's half and half. Now this is like 99% to, percent to one. That ain't going to fly. That's not going to fly. Like, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with having a double-headed dragon or double-headed monster at running back. When I was in, and I hate to have references, but when I played in Miami, we had Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown. And we had eight in the box. I promise you, over 90% of the uh, 90% of the time, we averaged almost 20 yards rushing a game. 
it, you, you can make it work. And you have two, I'm not saying they're Ronnie and Ricky, right? They're not Heisman Trophy winners, right? But at the end of the day, like you have two good, you have two good backs. What do you, what do you think about there, Lawrence? I see your, see your eyes looking off to the, in the distance. I was thinking Ricky Williams was. No, I'm saying, no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about here for the Colts. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm talking about here for the Colts. Like, oh, okay. You, okay. you don't have two Heisman Trophy winners, but you do have two good backs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you don't, it don't have to be equal, but like 60, 40. Yeah. See what they can do. Like, you know, there's nothing. Listen, the problem is with the Colts is at this point is they put all their eggs in one basket with Jonathan Taylor. And so like, you have to honor that, but then at, but at, to what expense? Because like we beat the Patriots 10 to six. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're about to pay a receiver. Yeah. But we don't have a quarterback right now. And we hope that the one that comes back plays well enough to necessitate or 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 make it justifiable for the money that he's gonna be getting or he is getting. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a I don't know. I I you make a lot of very valid points there. And uh you talk about we don't have a quarterback right now. Um let's let's get into Gardner Minshew. All right, because there's good points about Gardner. There's bad points about Gardner. Uh, one thing I can say over the last couple of weeks is Gardner has done a much better job of trying to uh, protect the football, right? Um, I think he's got, what, two turnovers in three games, which isn't the last three games, which is much, much better than four turnovers a game back-to-back games. So I, I will say that he's, he's done much better in that aspect. However, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing I'm seeing, but I he does not look comfortable in the pocket. It looks like he is looking for any and every excuse to escape the pocket, even when it's clean, right? And it looks like maybe a guy might be able, a defensive guy might be able to, to slither his way in. He runs out. He looks like, you know, a chicken with his head cut off, just bouncing around inside the pocket constantly, does not look, does not look comfortable and escapes all the time. And personally, he looks much better. Like his the way he throws when he's under control and he's set, his feet are set, he's squared up, and he throws the ball. He's ten times more accurate than when he's on the run. All right, I, I mean the, the film shows it over and over and over and over. But he's always bouncing around in the pocket looking for a reason to, to escape. Do you think he's seeing ghosts from earlier, like you know the the first few games of the year? When he when he had those turnovers, when he was throwing interceptions and getting sacked and fumbled and things of that like the Baltimore game, you know, where he was getting sacked a lot, or you know, the Jaguars game where you know, you know, a bunch of fumbles and bunch of interceptions, things of that. Is there ghosts there? Because I mean, he is at quarterback, and that is the position that you got to forget the last play, let alone the last games. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to a trust issue that he has to have with his offensive line. It comes down with the trust issue that he has to have with his receivers. Um, I think Gardner, he understands the the pressure that's on him. He understands that he is the guy for the rest of the year. Uh, he understands that there's a lot of naysayers amongst you know Colts fans and league wide. Um, he understands that he's thrown a lot of interceptions this year. 
So I think Gardner is a, a guy that's trying to make sure he doesn't make mistakes, but he's also trying to make the right play. And he's also, you know, trying to do that with just trying to freestyle a little bit, right? Like if it's not there and he thinks he feels like somebody breathing down his neck, he's going to take off and run. And honestly, it's a, it's hard. A, a, it's, it's a very hard throw to throw on the run across your body, you know, and a lot of guys can't do that. Right. And there's, there's only a handful of guys like they can really make those on the run passes, you know, like, a um, um, I'm trying to think of who really does it very well. Um, Patrick Mahomes, like Mahomes. Yeah. yeah. He's one of those guys where he can contort his body and throw sideways and all that kind of stuff. It's not easy throws. And so he's less accurate. Like you said, when he's on the run, just like about 90% of the quarterbacks are. Um, But he also doesn't stay in the pocket and take those hits. Like sometimes maybe he should just hang in there just a little bit longer, trust Mm -hmm. the O-line, step into his throws. Hey, listen, I ain't no freaking quarterback, you know, coach or anything like that. But I do know, like, if you can make, if your offensive, if your if your quarterback trusts you as an offensive lineman, he's more willing and he's more inept to stay in the pocket, looks a little bit longer and make that throw. Also, though, receivers got to get open too. Now, I don't know if it's a if it's an issue of lack of speed or the routes are just taking very like longer to develop or what what have you. So let's throw some quick passes in there. Let's throw some like five yard hitches or whatever it is. To just get the ball out. And we've been doing a good job of doing that. Like we've been doing a good job of that, but it's, you know, this is the NFL. You have to take shots down the field. You have to be able to, to, to stretch the field a little bit. And when that happens, you do see Garner, uh, you know, it's questionable. It's debatable sometimes on his, his, uh, you, you bring up the wide receivers. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were done. No, you're good. Uh, I was, I was. <laughs> you bring up the wide receivers and, you know, trusting them and, and whether they're able to get open. And there's a lot of question marks that's been around Alec Pierce all year. And I've been on the, you know, I've, I've watched the game film over and over and over every game, every game this year. And I'm like, Alec is doing his job, right? Mm-hmm. He's doing exactly what is asked of him. He's getting open. The problem is, is he's got long routes, right? And Gardner's already got the ball out by the time, you know, his, his cut that window opportunity to throw the football is there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There was a stat that was brought up during the game on Sunday morning. Alec Pierce runs more yards per route than any other player in the NFL. That's nuts. That is crazy. All right. <laughs> That that tells me a lot. First off, the Colts are not like offensive game plan. He, he's definitely your deep shot guy if he's running the you know the most yardage per route. Uh, but you got to mix it up some. I mean, this dude he made uh he's made some fantastic catches this year when when thrown to him. Yes, he's had a drop this year, technically one drop all year, and Colts fans have to you know. They, uh, a lot of them, you know, want to focus on that one drop when there's a defender there, you know, it's considered a contested catch. It's not a drop, right? (laughs) If there's a defender on you, like uh, able to get hands on you and swat your hands, that's fine. If the ball's there, but once that, you know, defenders there to slap the arms, knock it out, it's considered a contested catch. Okay. Uh, should he make those catches? Absolutely. But at the same time, it's not considered a drop because it is, you know, defenders there to knock the ball out. Um, 
and he's a fantastic blocker downfield. I think he's a better uh, blocker than Michael Pittman Jr., which, you know, is shocking to me. I don't like – why are we got guys on the team that is throwing that, – that is running more yards per route than any other player in the NFL when we obviously know Gardner Minshew does not stretch the field with his arm? That makes zero sense to me at all. Now, if it's all drag routes, that's fine. <laughs> but it's not. It's a lot of go routes, a lot of posts, a lot of corners, you know, things of that nature. And I don't like that at all. Uh, you got to have someone to run those routes, at least one player to run those routes. But Michael Pittman Jr. can run those routes too. Share them up, right? Why are we letting Michael Pittman Jr. just run like little, little five-yard curls or or digs or something of that nature and not, not allowing guys like Michael uh, – uh, or sorry, like Alec Pierce and stuff like that. That also is something that defenses can hone in on by watching game film and be like, all right, here's tendency. We can focus our game plan on that tendency. You got to mix it up so they can be less, you know, focused on s- watching for specific plays and routes by receivers. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't have an answer for you before on that. I just, I don't. Um, the only thing I could possibly possibly say is he could be a de- just a decoy out there. But, you know, there were there was a guy, I like to call him Larry O. Um, and this guy, Larry O, you know, a few weeks ago said that his patience was running thin with a guy named Alec Pierce. And so it kind of troubles me. And now Larry O's tune has changed on Alec Pierce to where he only has one drop. He's, you know, stretching the field. He's consistent. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, we'll just leave Larry O out of this. But uh, but uh, no, in all seriousness, you didn't say your pitch was, was, was running a little bit thin with, with, with Alec. You know, I think it was like week three, I think it was. Um, five, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But to his defense, though, he, he's, he's, he's playing hard. You know, um, he's running routes. And this is the troubling part, the puzzling part. He's running routes that we don't have the quarterback to get him the ball on those routes. Like, so why did we continue to run those routes with Alec Pierce? Why not put him back in the passing game, um, have him running, you know, outs and and slants and stuff stuff of that nature where, you know, like Gardner can look in the middle of the field and possibly see. I just Gardner throwing a in the Gardner throwing a slant scares the living out of me. Like it scares me big time. Um, And I know he has the capability to get the ball to him, um, you know, shorter routes. It just comes down to the offensive line timing-wise. It comes down to just everybody trusting each other. Hopefully they take this week to really go back to training camp. Hopefully they use this, use these, these practice days and they all don't, you know, the coach doesn't feel high on the horse and let them leave like on Wednesday or something like that. Like, no, like let's get some not hard work in, but let's get some quality reps in. Let's get some timing stuff down. Like let's get like, you know, like let's get this, this, this pass rush uh, slowed down a little bit. All of the above, just to be, we can go into the second half of the season and really kind of focus on, you know, shaking some things up because guys aren't, these teams are not expecting you to throw the ball down the field. Well, Gardner, I know you can throw the ball down the field. We just got to be able to do it properly, right? It can't just be up for grabs every time you throw that. Because every time I feel like every time he throws a deep ball, it's up for grabs because the safety's over the top. And there's like two guys jumping for the ball and they're not on your team. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, the Alec Pierce situation does puzzle me. I think Alec is probably – he's a good kid and he's not going to speak out about it, but he's probably, you know, upset and talks to his other teammates about it. Um, but, you know, he's, self, he's, he's selfless. 
uh, when it comes to it. But again, you know, down the line, hopefully a team recognizes what you're saying about him. And, um, you know, when it comes time for him to, you know, his contract's up, he goes somewhere. If not, you know, you never know because here's the deal. You got Anthony Richardson coming back who can't throw the ball down the field. Um, and so hopefully Anthony's taking this time to, to really study the game and, and really study the pro game. I think this is a blessing in disguise for Colts fans and Anthony for him because I don't, he just wasn't ready. Like physically, yes. Physically, he checks all the boxes, but mentally, like learning, like I can't take these big hits. I got to be able to throw the ball down the field. I can't throw it just down the field like college and, you know, hopefully like, you know, somebody just goes up and gets it. Like, no, it's got to be on point. It's got to make sense. So I don't think, I think Alec has just, they've got to find a better role for him this year, this season, um, and getting him more involved in the passing game. Because quite honestly, your number one receiver all the time is going to be Michael Pittman. And then it's just a drop off completely of who's number two. It's kind of just up for grabs. I mean, Josh Downs had a pretty good game, right? You know, two like two receptions, 40 yards, one was 20 yards. So, you know, um, well, yeah, 28 yards was as long. So, you know what I'm saying? You just got to find that number two. But realistically, like Michael Pittman on a good team is a number two receiver. Yeah. I mean, Downs, that there was, I will caveat when it comes to running out of the pocket. That pass to Downs in the fourth quarter to extend the drive. Oh, man. Was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, everybody talks about the catch from Downs, but that that placement was beautiful for the the way Gardner was was moving at that point. I, I I thought for sure that was an overthrown ball, but he laid that perfectly and down stretched out, caught that. That was a gorgeous play. But uh, I think the we we've done extended this to over thirty minutes now. Talked a lot about the Colts and Patriots. Uh, we will be back later and discuss a few things. Obviously. Uh, we, we got a, a bye week. So lots of different stuff that we can talk about during a bye week. Cause there's a lot of things to go on, not just with the Colts, but with the NFL, uh, any final words before we get out of here about the game? Um, Colts fans, you know, still brace yourself for the second half of the season, you know, schedule's not terribly hard, but then again, you crazier things happening in, in the NFL. So, you know, take this, hopefully we, hopefully the Colts take this week to, to go back to the basics and, and go back to, finding what they uh, their true identity is um, in the next, like, three, four days, which is going to be hard, but at least they'll kind of get some groundwork for it and uh, hopefully make a good run at this thing. And, you know, the key is it's going to be to chase Jacksonville down and get them knocked off and get slide into the playoffs. And Jacksonville and the Texans. How about I say, and you can't, man, it's been so long since you can throw Houston in there, but, man, it's gracious. They pretty darn good football. They are playing good football. They're I over think. 500 right now. They were saying possibly MVP. Yeah. MVP and possibly we'll, coach. We'll get into year. that a little bit okay. later this week. All right. All right. All right. But I, I get you. I get you. There's a lot to talk about with our division right now. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us for this episode of Believe in Colts with myself, Lawrence Owen, and of course, my guy, Donald Thomas. Brought to you by Bet Online. And as usual, go Colts. Go Colts. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.